Welcome to After the Buzzer. I am Ian Busby. Uh, can you feel it in the air? It's very deep into the fall now, getting cold here where I am in Calgary. I'm catching Grey Cup fever. It's been two years almost to the day that the Stamps lost to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the West semifinal on one of the coldest days that I remember. And it was awful for that football game. I was in the stands for the first half. And uh, not going to lie, I... Um, I whipped out and went into the, the booth for the second half. Uh, that was two years ago. Uh, that's the last CFL playoff action that we have experienced, and I'm getting excited for this year's CFL playoffs. It's been uh, 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 us, everyone against the Bombers mentality, I guess now, uh, for the last little bit, and uh, we're just looking for the rights, which team is going to get to go into Winnipeg on December 5th and try to beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have the biggest news off the field right now. It's because uh, their longtime play-by-play guy, Bob Irving, has announced his retirement. I can't imagine anyone else doing that job. He's been doing it for so long. Uh, Danny and I are going to get into that, how much respect we have for Bob and how tough this media business is. And if you can last as long as he has, you've done some impressive things. Uh, otherwise, uh this is a bit of a long one. We get into a few different things, including uh, how come we have, don't have a Great Cup halftime show announced yet? It, I guess it feels like so much later in the year because it's mid-November, but we don't know who the halftime performers are going to be. Um, it's always a topic, a topic of discussion. And we get into some award talk um, and uh, uh, break down some of the games that are coming up this week. Didn't focus much on last week's action because I think you saw it and you might not have been that excited about it. But if you're listening now, I think you're going to enjoy this chat. So here we go. Okay, we're doing this on a Tuesday and the biggest news that has broken today uh, has not to do with anybody on the field. It's somebody off the field and Bob Irving from the uh, that covers the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and has been the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for uh, all of my lifetime, I think. <laughs> I don't remember when he started. I have to go look that up. But uh, a guy who's known synonymously with this league and with the Blue Bombers, and he's announcing his retirement at the end of this year. Uh, so this is his last few games. Probably the good time to go out on top for somebody who's lived and breathed Blue Bomber football for an, an entire lifetime. Uh, my, I, I've got lots of stories and times that I've spent with Bob Irving and he's always been, uh, uh, a fun guy to be around and he makes you feel like the CFL. So what are your, what are your feelings when you hear the news that Bob Irving is retiring? It's going to be weird to hear somebody else call Winnipeg Blue Bombers game. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy with 47 years on the job. He was doing it 10 years before I was born. Um, <laughs> <that's funny. laughs> That's insane. But I mean, I, I don't think that that tells the whole story because I think there are a lot of people who do their jobs for a long time. I think Bob's the best in the business too. Um, and I think like, that's the thing. He's been so good for so long. Uh, I do not think you are going to find a single person in CFL media who has a bad word to say about Bob Irving. Um, he's a true gentleman in, a, in an industry where all of us can be pieces of shit at times. <laughs> but he's certainly not. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I, just, I I, that's a guy who, you know, he's a class act and he's 
represented this league and is I, I think that like he goes beyond the voice of the bombers he's one of those guys who is we you and i often talk about how the history of this league matters and that it's important and um he is a you know he's a connection um between many eras and uh yeah i think he's a guy who we all would love to have his career and i just think that the devotion that he's had to the canadian game and canadian football is so impressive um and is is you just feel grateful for a guy like that being in the industry and um yeah very sad and i think that like that that would be a very tough job to to be the next guy Um, Uh, right uh like what is it coming in after tom brady leaves the patriots or uh, yeah, I mean, the worst job in pro football is taking over from Bill Belichick, right? I mean, right. they always said that about Manchester United when Sir Alex Ferguson retired. It was like it was literally an impossible job, yeah. uh, and that's how it's going to be for Bob. But you know, there's hopefully, hopefully, someone good. I mean, we've seen lots of lots of newcomers, but I, you know, you can come in and do the job as well as you want. You're not going to be Bob Irving, and it's just you know, right. it's time to be grateful for all he's contributed to the league. And frankly, um. What a run to go out on by the Bombers. I mean, this is a guy who, and like we, I, I don't think this is wrong to say. We know Bob cares about the Bombers. He got a he got a great cup ring after the 2019 championship. He's a guy who right. is invested in that team and um, exists sort of in a little bit of a different space <clears throat> than, than sort of guys like me do or guys like you did. Um, and I don't know, that's pretty exciting that after the Bombers have been bad for many, many years and right. him getting to go out on top, that's pretty cool. Maybe maybe he was waiting for this uh, this whole regime to put something together like this because it's been two straight seasons where well it's been two years since they got a, got caught fire and then have pulled together this run that even when they didn't need to win a game against the Montreal Alouettes they go out and and handle them they handle them fine it's uh, yeah this is the best the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have been in thirty years so even back to the days of Kahari Jones and the 2001 team was pretty amazing with Curry Jones and Milt Stiegel, but this is not, uh, this is, it feels like a team that uh, is just transcended and is so further above the rest of the league, but it doesn't guarantee them anything going into the playoffs. It's going to be interesting to see how it handles. And if they do lose and don't win the gray cup, what it's going to be like for Bob. But uh, the thing is, uh, <laughs> like you said, uh, like, he set the standard and he's had basically he's, he comes from a different era where you are allowed to be a super homer. And, and I, I know a lot of the play by home play by play guys are like that, but it just feels like it's okay with Bob. I don't know. You just give him a pass because he's yeah, just, I have absolutely no criticism whatsoever in, in, in that regard. Mark Steven does it here. And Mark Steven, I admire like a, you're, you're the play by play guy for the team. And, uh, yeah. I don't think that there's a home fan in the country who wants a play-by-play guy who's just going to be right. negative with but the game. And Bob I should be – Bob does yeah. his job perfectly. Like, he is – there's yeah. no one who walks that line better. And I will say that during, you know, all the XFL crap, um, Bob, like me, you know, I could name the guys around the country. Myself, Bob, Matt Sakaris were kind of the three who – didn't just accept it for what it was, you know, and, right. and stood up for the league and stood up for the Canadian league and the traditions. Um, and I have a lot of respect for that. So like, I, I, I don't want to talk about Bob being a homer. Cause I don't think that that's like, it's, no. it's, it's what, sort I, of what a, I mean uh, is like when, when he does it, it feels like it's the way it should be. And he's kind of set that standard. And I, I don't feel like, like Mark Steven, for example, is the bigger homer of his broadcast team. Like I think Greg Peterson is the t- guy who keeps says our, like my team that like he 
he, uh, that team, then it feels like he's the bigger homer. But um, you know what I'm saying? It's basically that. Uh, I'm not going down this road with you. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> I have so much respect and admiration for those guys. And it's just not something that I'm ever yeah. going to like, um, going to dissect. And like, I, I do think that when you're listening to a home broadcast, there's. Yeah, you're, you're listening for that reason, right? You're, yeah. you're listening. And that's why when we get to Grey Cup, um, you know. You they, they're the generally a neutral broadcast, right? And it, it's it's, it's you don't automatically get in if your team's in. That's the, yeah. like, these guys that are on networks. And then, so I don't know if Bob is scheduled to do the Grey Cup this year. I, I Well, he didn't don't. do 2019, but I have no idea. Like, let's not forget that um, that there have been major changes to the TSN uh, radio landscape right. in the last year there have been so in terms of who's calling it i don't know because unless i'm sorely mistaken i mean i know like a guy like matt sakaris was on the was certainly on the on the radio broadcast in 2019 right. and he obviously is no longer with tsn you'll notice if you listen to this podcast regularly i have a ton of respect for for matt sakaris i think he's the best in the business at that um right. but uh talk radio but yeah i mean I, I i don't know i would you know what would what could be more poetic who could possibly complain um, other than probably the fans of the East team, uh, <laughs> if, if Bob Irving was on the was on the broadcast of a Great Cup in his final game with the with the Bombers in the Great Cup, that would be a that'd be a really special moment for Bob, a special moment for Bombers fans, and a special moment I think for the Canadian football community. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so now we'll, we'll just see if anybody has the gumption to go in and beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and ruin this perfect story. But uh, uh, kudos to Bob. Congrats on a great career. Uh, that. Uh, and one of the thing is you and I being in media in a different generation was it's hard to keep a job for a decade, let alone 47 years. Like it's, this is not an easy business to try and stay in. And cause I was, I've been out of the business and back in and in and out now as I, it's, it's hard to keep a job. Like you, you get downsized, you get to a certain level and you become too expensive for the media company that is employing you. Uh, it's just uh, 47 years. Business, 47 years is amazing. So yeah, and if you're doing Canadian football, there's always going to be luck. The jobs doing hockey are probably going to be better paying. They're probably in a right. lot of hits. Winnipeg might be sort of the exception because they lost the Jets for so long. But there's always going to be that temptation to go do the bigger sport. Um, and as many of us have found over the years, the grass is not always greener. Um, but you know, it, it, it takes a special type to devote themselves to Canadian football. Um, and yeah, I, you know, for people who don't understand it, like really try to count, you can count on two hands, the number of actual full-time sports media people there are in a city like Calgary, there's Winnipeg probably has similar amounts because they have two newspapers, but, um, right. you know, to have one of those jobs for 47 years and to never once, and without naming names, there are a lot of people who have been in this industry for a long time who you sort of wonder why they're hanging on. Not a single person said has ever said that about Bob Irving. You know, if he wanted to do another, if he wanted to do another forty-seven, I'm pretty sure all of us would be good with it. He's that. Yeah, that he does. So, well, he would have been the Alex Trebek of this league and be doing games up in, in the month that he dies, right? Like he, he if he wanted to, um, I'm sure he wants to spend the rest of his life not having to. Well, I've got a long time ahead of him. Let's be clear on that. No one's implying anything there. No, God, no. Uh, yeah, he's still like. He looks the same to me as I met him 20 years ago, so I don't... Uh, yeah. Honestly, he looks younger than me, at least right now on a Tuesday morning. Um, I, had a Tuesday, I didn't sleep great last night. So, um, yeah. Oh, man. Well, yeah, uh, 
Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk some football. Well, one of the things that I okay. Well, I had a few lists on here. Um, but your your I, podcast, do it. I don't care. Well, the one thing I wanted to get into was you mentioned what what would it like be like Grey Cup if the Winnipeg Blue Bombers win. I do you have any sense of who's the Grey Cup halftime show? Is that going to get? Is that going to be a halftime show? Um, it's a, usually a big talking point when it comes announced, and it seems to me like it's automatically okay. Arkells, they're Hamilton's favorite band they all just do the halftime show but i haven't seen anything i'm looking this morning i'm like wait great cup is like a month away isn't it i don't know yeah a month or so away five weeks of six weeks away like they don't have a halftime show are they doing some sort of a halftime show but we did i did get word a couple weeks ago that the uh uh the spirit of edmonton is still going to be going on in hamilton and i chatted with some of the guys that i know there and uh, they assured me that it's they're going to do their best to make they're going to uh, comply by all the rules, but they're going to try and do the best to have a spirit of Edmonton that'll be in the spirit of the Grey Cup. So that was good news, and they're going to keep going with their breakfast, which is the, one of the big highlights of Grey Cup every time. So I'm I'm just I'm just curious of where we are with what's happening with Grey Cup and. Um, you, you got to come with me, right? You, you're coming to Grey Cup, right? <laughs> every week, and I don't have anything for you yet. I, I know. Stampeders, I you know, my, it, then it's easy, right? So My stress with it is if I go to Grey Cup and it's not paid for by the company, I end up being in Southern Ontario for a really long time because I'm not going to fly back here and then fly back for Christmas. I am right. not missing Christmas with my adorable niece and, niece and nephew. Um, I also don't necessarily want to live in my childhood bedroom for three weeks. Um, and to put it really, you know, vaguely, there are reasons why I wouldn't want to leave Calgary for three weeks at a time necessarily. Um, there are people here who I enjoy seeing and want to spend time with. So, uh, I am hoping that post media is sending me and that I will be there. Uh, obviously if the stamps are in, I get to go. Um, I think that there's a decent chance, uh, I'm not going to speak too arrogantly here, but I think they'd be crazy to send another post media person over me. Uh, if you want, if you want national content, but uh, nothing I can do about that for now. Uh, as far as the halftime show goes, you're right. That's that's very interesting. Like I, I hadn't even thought of it. Um, I don't know. I, I have no actual idea what's going on there. I, and yeah. I, I googled it as you were talking, and uh, it's an important. I mean, you can't have nothing. You're right that no. the RLs are sort of, hey, do a hometown. That's a big band that a lot of people love. Uh, Hamilton from the sort of Hamilton area, I think, believe actual Hamilton. Um, yeah. So that would that would make a lot of sense. But um, it's very odd that, you know, as we live and breathe on November 9th, which is my dad's birthday. So I'm glad I checked that because I got a call him when we're off the phone. My dad's birthday this week, too. It's on the 12th. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Good thing that I looked at the date. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's a little weird that a month out we don't have an announcement. I would guess, like, for all the problems with this league, there's no way they're not going to have a halftime show. So, well, the way I look at Grey Cup this year, it's going to be mostly a television production. So, the halftime show is a big thing for the television production. So, um, in the stadium, it's not always the best. I, I mean, I've been in now 13. I've been to 13 Grey Cups and the halftime show, sometimes you feel like you're not really part of it because you're on the other side of the stadium and it's way over there and it's loud and you can't really tell, but and then it looks great on TV and people say, Oh my God, that was so amazing. And it's like, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, it was it's just kind of be like being on the other end of an arena bowl show. Uh, I mean, but, that, that's probably true. I will say, you sure felt it was Shania Twain. Didn't matter where you were sitting in the stadium; that was an unreal show. Um, well, it was on the opposite side of the stadium, covered in snow, uh, and she was at like a tiny little dot. But uh, yeah, me and Louis Butchko from Hamilton were very excited that Shania Twain was coming out. So yeah, yeah. that was an amazing show. So yeah, I don't know. Look, look, they're gonna they're gonna announce someone. Uh, you're right. If they cut to what should be one of the big sports media broadcasts of the year and they cut to the TSN panel sitting around for 15 minutes talking about the game, uh, yeah, that would no. obviously be a horrible mistake. So I would assume that we're getting an announcement. Um, I can write Lucas and ask him. I, I mean, I don't know if I should be, but like Lucas is the PR guy for the CFL. Yeah. If there's an announcement coming at all, but there's no way they're giving the Calgary guy like the right on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like but to, it, my perspective, just so that people understand what I'm saying, they're like with uh, what was his name? What's the country music guy who did Calgary? Uh, the, 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 not Toby Keith, the, the guy Nicole, who, Nicole Kidman's husband. Um, yeah, yeah. Keith Urban, Keith Urban. Keith um, Urban yeah. With that, like I had that the CFL let me know, just like I I got the story ready in advance, so that the second that they announced it, we had the story out. Like, right. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, there's got to be an announcement. They still have to make Grey Cup be something. Although they, and like the television production, I think that's a valid point. You have to make the television production be something, even if they've announced that it's going back to Hamilton soon, two years from now. So they don't have an obligation to put the whole festival together. Right. Well, and that's the thing, like now Hamilton doesn't want to play all their cards right now because in two years they're going to have to do this again, or they want to do it again. They're going to want to do it bigger and more spectacular and everything. So like you, you, you maybe hold the card like maybe you're trying to get somebody big still that could be what it is uh there's not a there's a lot of musicians who don't do a lot right now because there hasn't been a, a chance to tour or whatever usually you would find a, a band that was in the area on a tour type thing or you know well, sometimes I mean, like, sometimes it's just taking a big thing and finding like okay we got keith urban yeah that was that's a big get they spend, uh, they spend real money on that i mean <clears throat> Shania Twain is not cheap. Keith Urban no. is not cheap. Those were not like though. So look, I have full faith that they're going to do a good job. Um, look, they're not getting Drake, but like you, you say, the Arkells, that's a that's a band yeah. that's probably just about the perfect size. Um, and I mean, I don't but, know enough about popular music right now to know what else is blowing up from a Canadian perspective. But right. you really can't go wrong. Like honestly, like I'd like to think that we're not in a situation where CFL fans are going to embarrass themselves by booing Justin Bieber again. Like right. you, know, you can get absolutely everyone. And I think in the year 2021, we all realize that it's super lame to boo a musician for no reason, just because they're young and girls like them, like right. grow up guys, grow up men, be better than that. So, yeah. No doubt. Uh, and yeah, thinking back to some of the big bands, I, I don't think like they're not, not getting Drake. I like, you don't they're know that. Drake. Yeah, Drake, Drake is still like if there was a Toronto Grey Cup, I don't know if like Drake would say no to that. Like, I don't know. He's like he just he's all still all about Southern Ontario and Toronto. So you never know. You're, you're probably not getting the biggest pop star in the world for a mid-December performance, is what I'm saying. Um Maybe. I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and while the pandemic is still happening, 
Um, yeah. But who knows? I mean, maybe he's home for Christmas and decides to do it. Like, you <laughs> told me that Kanye was going to close the Pan Am Games in Toronto in, what, 2015. I would have told you you were crazy there, too. Um, yeah. That's another one that Canadian football or sports fans inexplicably had a problem with. Um, yeah. Well, and here's the thing is, and you probably know this as well as I do, no matter who it is that's announced as the Grey Cup halftime show, it's going to be this talking point where it's like, oh, I don't like that. Man, they should have had this person. It was like, you're, you're just, it's just always a talking point every time it comes up. And it's like, people hate whoever it is, no matter what it is. I'm like, you, can you? People complained about Alicia Cara in Edmonton. And then I was literally, and I love Alicia Cara. I think she's great. Yeah. And then I was sitting in the press box as all these like reporters who had bitched and moaned because it wasn't friggin' some 80s hair rock band. We're all like, like, oh, this girl's amazing. And it's like, yeah, that's yeah. why like, we, should, we should be using, if we can, use the platform to promote an up and coming Canadian musician who could use that. Like, that's great. But also sometimes you get Keith Urban and Calgary country yeah. music fans are going to lose their minds. And that that's a, a global star. Like who cares? It's a halftime right. show. People like really yeah. got to chill. And like, there would be people who would complain about Drake and that's stupid. Like yeah. I've heard right. people, like I went on Saskatchewan radio a while back and they were and like the Super Bowl halftime show this year is like, the, the royalty yeah. of West Coast hip hop, and they right. were like, they were like, you must hate this as much as we do. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is like going to be like, like I oh, like, it's going to be amazing. You're going to watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like, the weekend does like some creative stuff on the Super Bowl halftime show, and it was like, uh, eh, I wasn't impressed. I'm like, what do you want him to do? He jumped from the top of the stadium into the thing and then walked through all these mirrors with all these. Like, I don't know. It's like it was seemed cool to me. Like, We're getting very far away from CFL talk, but like <laughs> middle-aged white men need to get over the idea that the music when they were kids is better than the music now. Like, right. like just just get over yourself. It doesn't matter. Well, I'm I'm in that boat because uh, well I'm I'm in the opposite category. I'm not one of those old middle-aged white guys. I am a middle-aged white guy, but uh, I'm not one of those. I listen to new new music podcasts. I'm always trying to discover new music. I like, I can give you like five new bands right now that you should I'm not accusing you of being a middle-aged white. No, band. I know, but that's why I don't understand the whole mentality of that. You know, I want to see my lover boy. Like, okay, no, why? <laughs> it should probably be the Arkells. That's the last thing I'll say about it is just like we do like, honestly, that's a Canadian band from the area. Why not give them a chance to put on a good show? They're not my, cup of tea but like that doesn't really matter um yeah. so, you know yeah okay i'm always gonna be happy when it's a canadian artist that's getting the opportunity for a great cup. that's what i'll say yeah okay uh we're on the two years ago today we were hanging out with winnipeg media members getting ready for the win west semi-final uh not knowing i don't think we knew that we were going to wake up to like the coldest freaking day in the history of calgary for the West End final game. Did you know it was going to be that cold that day? Like, we did know, to be fair. We actually, I mean, I have, that was a weird week. Like, it got very cold that week. And then by the time, like, two days later, it was back up above zero. Like, the timing was really bad. But yeah. for the for the walkthroughs the day before the game, it was absolutely freezing. Like, it was, it was getting there. It was sort of like minus 10, 12. And, like, I don't, guys... I had like, I tweeted about this yesterday and I was like, kind of makes you appreciate that it's still above zero. You know, if you think back to two years ago today and I had various people 
because I said that it was 1 million degrees and I had various people like come in and give me the exact temperature that it was. And I was okay. like, that's really not the point here. The point no. is that it was really cold. <laughs> it was freaking cold, yes. And I was in the stands for the first half of that game. Uh, I, the reason I bring this up is we still haven't finished the regular season. We've got two regular season games and three playoff weeks left. So we're going to have some cold weather. That uh, makes you appreciate what you're facing this week as you head to Vancouver for an indoor game which will have uh, major implications for the stamps and lions are going to try and keep their season alive. Uh, what's the, you know, the stamps coming off a of bye week is always just like you pencil them in for a victory. And now they got Reggie Bagleton, but could they be any like more on the upswing right now with Reggie Bagleton coming in? They seem mostly healthy. Like this is mostly probably the most healthy they've been all year. Every, and I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like, I'm not, I don't have the six-game injury list. Like, there may be one or two guys who would have been starters who got hurt in training camp or something, but I don't even think so. I would say every single presumed starter on offense and defense, so let's leave out special teams, <clears throat> is healthy and, and was practicing yesterday. Um, it's a closed practice. It's Tuesday morning, so I don't know about today, but didn't look like anyone got hurt. Uh, you know, every position. Like, I'm not going to go through every position and every player, no. but they're all out there. They're all good to go. Um Again, that in terms of the way that this team is being perceived, I think that that third loss to Saskatchewan is really being overstated, like both its significance and um, what it like actually represented. I think that was a very difficult game to win. I think Bo was bad. Um, but look, I, I've said it. I think this Reggie Bagleton signing is is just it's massive. It's it, it fills a hole. I've said this many times, but I look at the Stampeders team. Um, I think they're going to beat the bricks off the Lions. I really, really do. I, I don't. I, I watched these two teams play. It was 39-10. I think the Stampeders are getting better. I think the Lions are a work in progress. They spent a lot of money on a couple players who maybe haven't quite materialized. The one uh, factor that I do think could make a difference, if we're going to talk about Reggie Bailton being back, we also have to yeah. talk about the fact that Lucky Whitehead was out for the Lions last game. And I like. Yeah. I, I think – the difference between having a Brian Burnham and having a Brian Burnham and Lucky Whitehead, like, I don't know, yes. like the is bigger than the parts. You know what I mean? Like, just having to guard two, two, two elite uh, offensive weapons like that is significantly more difficult. But um, you said it before the season. I'll give you credit. Like, Mike Riley is going to miss the playoffs again. Um, <laughs> at what, like, at what point do we stop talking about Mike Riley as one of the elite quarterbacks in the league? You said it before the season. They kind of got off to a pretty good start, and everyone was back on the Mike Riley train. The numbers are still good. The results are not. Um, it's honestly, like, not that Bo's numbers are bad, but it's, like, the opposite of Bo, where it's, like, right. Bo doesn't necessarily lead the league in, in passing yards, but he leads the league in wins most years. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah. No. yeah, no, I, I just thought that I didn't see the significant improvement in anything and the year and a half off just felt me, made me feel like Riley was game. Wasn't going to keep maintaining that level because it's hard to maintain that level. And what he used to do that was always the game changer was his mobility through the pocket and then running as well that I felt like that was his thing that kept him, and now he just feels like a sitting duck back there a lot. And, you know, he was starting to take a lot of sacks in 2018, 2019. And it was like, okay, it's not all on your offensive line. Some of it is, but not everything is. So you're also like, I, I've said this on this podcast before, but my, my friend Doug Gallivan, who's with the CBC in Montreal, and 
2018, we were sitting in the press box and the, and he, he goes to every game. He covers every game. Not, I mean, he's a CBC guy, so it's a little bit different the way they cover it. Yeah. But he turned to me and he was like, in the last three years, he's like the only quarterback who gets you 12 yards when you need 12 yards, gets you eight yards when you need his bow. And yeah. he was like, he was like, it's not even close. And like watching that, that, that game in Vancouver, um, and I'm not trying to put it all on Mike Riley, but like it almost felt like he either went long or there was nothing. Um, and like, I just don't feel like he's managing games the way you ultimately have to manage games. And, and part of that is like, you don't have the confidence because your offensive line isn't giving you time. So you don't feel like you could put together a 12 play drive. So, you know, there's a, that's the motivating factor behind trying to get things done quickly, but that's not really how you win football games and luck. Like they've lost, um, what six games, seven games in a row, six, I believe that they've lost six and the, yeah. and the Elks have lost seven. So um, that's where this team's at. I'm not, I, and I honestly, like, I'll be very curious. Like for me, I, I have no, I'm very confident in the Stampeders going into this game. It's a game they need to win. They have been playing must win games. I think that they've sharpened their tools through that. Um, I really do think the Bagleton thing matters. Um, they're healthy. Everything to me speaks, speaks to this being a Stampeders win. And then they booked that third place. I suspect yeah. Like the Elks, I do not believe are going to put up a fight against the Riders. Uh, so we'll know at that point who first, second, and third are. And then we're going to have this completely meaningless Bombers game to end off the season. Uh, and I'll be curious to <clears throat> see how the Stampeders deal with that because I still think that they're in a position where they still need to be working and trying things out and trying to get better. Whereas I imagine the Bombers, if they're smart, sit everybody. They they wouldn't even need to bring guys on the trip, honestly. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, so I, I'll be curious as to whether that's a game between all backups or that's a game where the stamps are like, you know what, we'd rather be eight and eight or eight and six than seven and seven. We're gonna go win this game. Let's get it. We can make adjustments between now and the West Final if we're gonna see Winnipeg again. But um, yeah, yeah, for me, I think that we have like the East is the far more interesting division in terms of like we just know the bombs are first. Like there's a very there's a minuscule possibility that the riders blow this and end up in third, but I don't see it happening. Yeah. Um, well, and that's the thing. Have you heard whether Nick Arbuckle is going to start for the Elks this week, and is he going to get one of these three games they have over seven day periods starting on Saturday? Yeah, I think that he has to. I, I the quarterback should be throwing the football that much three games in a row. Um, in that yeah. short <laughs> so, um, so I imagine you go. One guy game one, one guy game two, one guy game three. Um, you've got to be preserving. This is such a worrying stretch of three games. I, I wish it wasn't happening. Uh, I think it's dangerous that the Elks are being put through this situation. I've said that from the start. I don't think that there's a single excuse um, for it happening. Well, and the thing is, I, I looked at it and I thought, Toronto's in the same situation. They play Friday night. They'll have Saturday, Sunday, Monday off, and then play Tuesday. I know the Stamps and Elks, the old Eskimos franchise, used to do this. Uh, and on their Labor Day games, um, but it's, it's still it, there's a reason they switched that Labor Day rematch to Saturday. It used to always be Friday, and now it's Saturday. Like there's a reason that you don't play three games with three it's days in. part of the yeah. CFL. This shouldn't be yeah. happening. Um, but look, yeah, if Arbuckle gets in, I do think. Oh, like I, I don't know the, the 
since Harris is gone is necessarily, I, I think that this Elks team is checked out. I think that yeah. um, you've got to be completely checked in to be a winning football team. So I'm not saying that they don't care. I'm not saying that they're not trying. I just don't think that they're at where they need to be to be making those improvements day to day to win football games. But, um, you know, you have a right. Well, Saskatchewan is in the same situation that Calgary is, is they are, they want to keep getting better because they haven't looked great in recent weeks. They really like the most of the complaining out of that game in Edmonton was that the Riders, oh, they won, but man, you don't, you don't have any confidence in this team. So they're going to want to put the pedal down and, and win the last two weeks if they can. They they last, they the last Hamilton, which isn't going to be a cakewalk. So they didn't beat the Stampeders. The Stampeders beat the Stampeders. Um, yeah. And so, look, yeah, I wouldn't. I I will maintain that, like, this is football. Single game elimination, come playoff time, anything. I have like, if I was a betting man, which I never will be and never have been, but if I well, was, I am. I'm making some money off of the. Fair enough. I'm not. I don't talk <laughs> this game. Um, I would have the State Peters beating the Riders and then going into Winnipeg and that being a very, very close game in Winnipeg. Uh, I just don't think that the Riders fully have it, and I don't think that their offense is dynamic enough right now um, to necessarily come up with those big plays in a tight game. And to be perfectly honest, I think you can run against them, and I think that's going to matter in cold weather playoff games. Yeah. All right. Uh, over in the East Division, Hamilton playing Toronto this week. Uh, we've got a zero point spread on this one, so they think it's a toss up. Like that's a pick 'em game. Uh, that's going to be for first place, basically. It feels like whoever wins that game is going to be taking first place. Uh, Hamilton was in third way back a few weeks ago, but they've quietly in my opinion kind of turned things on and started to look like the team they were in 2019 what do you what do you make of them the defense was never bad it was never bad um and i think that like it is instructive to look at the you know the scoring for and against um to really get an idea of where some of these teams are um the fact is like the ticats have allowed by far the fewest points um, in in the East Division, um, yeah. second least in the league. That defense, and I believe that defense is what wins you championships. Um, I, I don't think that's a, I think that's a cliche for a reason. Uh, and now suddenly they're putting points up too. Like they're what? They're as far as I can tell, they're they've scored the third most points in the league. Um, guess what? Getting Mazzoli back has made a difference. I'm not saying he's been great, uh, but the offense is clicking. And now you're seeing, and this is something that my bias will show, but you're seeing Don Jackson getting back in. You have a legitimate dynamic starting running back and that offense is hard to stop, man. That's a, that's a very good team. And that's a team that I think, I, I think can win the great cup. If, you know, I, I think that they've got a head of steam. I'm not saying that they will win the great cup, but um, I, I think Don Jackson makes a huge difference. I think Mazzoli makes a huge difference. I think having Dane Evans as a backup makes a huge difference. Uh, it's a good football team. And, and, yeah. We said this. It's not going to be the team that is the best team in the league in week four that wins the Grey Cup this year. It's going to be the team that builds and gets momentum going into the playoffs, and that's the Ticats. And I will say, I don't care if the Argos have the best record in the East. I don't think it made a ton of sense looking at McLeod Bethel-Thompson's performances and being like, we're locked into this as the quarterback of the future. It suggests to me that they're going to be looking at a guy like Jake Mayer or they have a plan long-term and I couldn't afford to keep two starting quarterbacks on the roster for the end of the season. Um, but yeah. the Argos are just, I mean, they were so unimpressive against 
Ottawa this weekend. Um, they they just I, I've liked them all year. They've won football games. Winning football games is what matters, but nothing they've done has given me confidence that they can win the East yeah. this year. Hamilton's the best team, and I honestly think Montreal's the second best team. Here's a weird stat. They're in Toronto's sitting in first place right now. They're a minus 22 point differential on the season. Hamilton is in second place and has a positive 66 point differential. That was like, okay, you, that means they Hamilton's lost close games and won more than they've lost. And mm-hmm. Toronto has pulled out some close wins, you know, by the skin of their teeth and then gotten shellacked in other games like and like yeah. i'm i mean toronto i'm not saying toronto's a bad football team i just think that there are three good football teams out east and i think uh the alouettes have sort of shown improvement the thing with the alouettes is they're probably going to lose to the bombers this weekend like right at which point like we're not they're, i'm they're yeah i'm i'm i got a feeling they're they're gonna pull something out of their hat this weekend at home i just winnipeg like that was a home game that was for a perfect home record, all that kind of stuff. Now they go on the road for the last two weeks. This is where it's like, okay, we're just waiting for the, the West. And it's also Michael Shea can say what he wants and deserves to say what he wants. This is not a criticism of Michael Shea. I covered very good Stan Peters teams. When you get this far ahead of the pack, you hide the playbook. You start yeah. hiding the playbook. You do, like, and that's, it's not even about how hard your players are trying. It's about the fact that you generally, any of the st- stuff you've been working on that's really going to confound opposing teams, you just save for the playoffs. Well, and that's the thing. Like they're going to, I think you're going to see a healthy amount of Sean McGuire in the last couple of weeks, not right. in a criticism way. Like you give them a lot of work and I, I don't think you're going to have anything that's dynamic in there. And they'll probably play smash mouth with all the, the secondary running backs they pl- they have. So not that they're, you know, count them out or anything but it, it's a minus eight going in there for the spread and i feel like montreal is going to cover that they almost covered minus ten and a half last week so i don't know they, yeah i wouldn't half, maybe they did cover ten and a half yeah so montreal can stay in the fight i have no question um but yeah i just i i love that i think that hamilton toronto game we're gonna i actually don't think we're gonna learn that much about hamilton i think hamilton's good and we all know when we're seeing them make those improvements but we're gonna see if toronto can put up a fight that's very interesting to me, but it's also possible that, you know, Hamilton's a team that's been to a great cup. They've, they've accomplished a lot. This Toronto team hasn't necessarily been in the trenches together in that way. So, you know, I suspect we're, we're in that point where I do think that that sort of experience matters. Yeah. I feel like the, the way things are looking in Toronto, they're building something there at least. And uh, Ryan Dinwiddie, I think you said at the start of the year, you felt like he's a, professional football coach he's they've got they've got the foundation there for for keeping him and keeping building with this with this yeah. group so every yeah. mistake you got to figure out how to work the clock to end the game yeah and i think i think you know, when you you know as, as us armchair quarterbacks can sit here and go yeah i know i know all the ins and outs but when you're in the moment with everybody's looking at you for a decision I'm like yeah it's not the easiest yeah. thing so you panic yeah. about everything yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I got to go in and do like oral practical exams. And it, I, I'm like, even though I've spoken on air in front of hundreds of people, like still nerve wracking when you're standing there in front of somebody who's judging you and marking everything you're doing. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a human nature type of thing. What else did I have on my uh, list of, okay. So we're getting into the award season and the list of, of eligible rookies came out 
you got to put in your picks for you're going to be making your selections for who's going to be on the stamps in the next couple of weeks. Maybe we'll save that for when those actually come out. But I looked at top rookie and I was like, oh, I don't know if the, the, it didn't really jump out at me. And then we had a quick conversation about it and just give me a sense of throughout the league, what, what the top rookies are, because I think what we wanted with this season was there's going to be a lot of turnover. We want to see some new star players emerge. And I think that's probably happened. Uh, just it, we maybe need to pump up a couple of different guys for what they've done. Yeah. So I'm going to start with who is getting my vote. And I don't actually think that this is <clears throat> a particularly difficult decision. Uh, Jordan Williams, BC Lions linebacker, first overall pick in the 2020 draft. Uh, that was a, that was a pick that was ultimately the Red Blocks had, and they flipped it to the Stamps for Arbuckle, and then the Stamps flipped it, flipped it, took Isaac Eddie, Emmy Berglund, and the third overall pick. But Jordan Williams, I mean, he's come in. He's he's I'm I'm pulling it up right now, but I believe he's second in the league in defensive tackles with 81. Um, that's that's phenomenal. I, I maybe I'm missing someone, but I I don't think that there's any other rookie who's top of the league. I mean, obviously he. Uh, he he qualifies as Canadian, uh, as far as I can tell, because he was a draft pick. Although, yeah, yeah, uh, well, he would be yeah. if he was in the draft, he's Canadian. <laughs> that's the thing, right? So, um, yeah. So, I mean, for me, that's a, that's a no brainer. Um, I, I don't I don't think that there's been another player who stood out quite the way he has. Um, and like, I don't. I honestly like it's to the point where you know we'll we'll send our stamps guys in. I think there's been some fun performances, but I, I don't when it comes to voting for the West, there's, there's not going to be an argument there. Um, yeah. And I think that we're going to, when we get to certain awards, it's just like, okay, you got to go bombers. Um, and I think that's, that's a reasonable thing to do. But on this one, uh, I don't think rookie, it matters how good your team is. I, I, no. I think we go based on your own personal performance. And I think Jordan Williams is the runaway winner and that's awesome for the league. And I think he's got a, he's got a future ahead of him in this league and that's fun. Um, and then there's that returner in, um, Ottawa, right? Or is it Ottawa? I believe that Deadman qualifies as a rookie. Oh, okay. Uh, so. Now I will again um, pull that up. Uh, he's so Deadman is. How is this not coming up? Why don't you he's got, just? He's got five return touchdowns, which is remarkable start to his career. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you start just uh, vamping a little yeah. bit, I'm going to pull that up to make a hundred percent. Well, one thing I can tell you that people. Um, who are outside the league and don't follow it as closely as the media people do. I would get this all the time. It was like, oh, this guy's been the best first-year player. I was like, well, yeah, if he's ever suited up for a professional football game, he won't qualify. So if he's ever played in an NFL game, then he doesn't actually qualify. So the, so the league takes their time to the end of the year to tell you who is actually qualified. He's an example of that. Middle linebacker for the Stampeders has been an absolute revelation. Has been phenomenal. Played in the NFL. Had a couple games there. That means he doesn't qualify. Uh, Deadman does not qualify. I don't know the reasons why, but he was not on the list of 167 eligible players. Uh, I will say that without a question, uh, five kick return touchdowns broke Gizmo Williams's record for for getting to that mark. Uh, He is. Like people in Winnipeg are going to want Mike Miller because he's leading the league in special teams tackles. People in Calgary are rightfully going to point out that uh, Rene Paradise has had a phenomenal year. I don't think that there's any question that Rene Paradise should be the West nominee for most expanding special teams player. Um, we'll see how the voting block 
in Winnipeg and Saskatchewan kind of, I shouldn't look like some bullshit. They're not a voting block. I don't even mean that. There's, there's three of us voting in every market now. Um, Is that it? Okay. So it's like me, Maddie Rose, and uh, Mark Steven. I'm very happy that Maddie Rose has been brought in, uh, but we will be the voters here in Calgary. Um, but yeah, so there's not a voting block, but I, I think Renee Paradise should be the West nominee, and I think that, uh, yeah, Deadmond should 100% be the overall winner. I think he's, he's, he's the guy. So at one point in time, the votes, the voting contingent was seven media members plus coach. Uh, then it went down to five, and now it's three. And I think this is a, a symptom of the shrinking amount of people that are covering the league overall on a daily basis, right? Not necessarily like, just what we want to say, what we all want to say. Um, and I, I, I mean, I don't know how interested people are in us, but I think some people, people are listening this far into the podcast after we broke down halftime performers for 15 minutes. I'm sure they're not going to get too much. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, like we, we always used to say, oh, there's not enough media members in, you know, Toronto or Montreal who do it every day. And like, that's the reason why we're cutting it down. The fact is there aren't enough media members in Calgary. There are yeah. three of us. We have three of us that practice every day. Uh, and yeah. I do not mean to say that to disrespect anyone who comes on occasion. Um, but yeah. by no objective measure, should we have more than three voters? And if there was a fourth, it would likely be a Greg Peterson or, you know, potentially a, a Jock Wilson. It would be another guy from 770. And yeah. I, I don't think that that's right. I think that every outlet should have one if they're there every day. And we're the three that are there every day. And I, to be honest, like, I don't know in... In Saskatchewan, you probably have more than three there every day. You certainly don't in BC. Um, no. Edmonton might be able to get more than three, but even then, it's probably there's only three that we can really yeah. think of. There. Like you're, you're probably talking Dave Campbell or uh, Morley Jerry or, or Jerry Montajong, and then there's not, like, I don't know if there's a, is there another radio guy? There's not a TV guy that's there every day. Like Brian no. Rashad would end up, but then, yeah. Again, like those guys don't cover every day, and it, uh, you know, unless they're gonna ask ho- podcast hosts like myself, like mm-hmm. you're just gonna <laughs> be stretching. So, well, and, and I don't, and like this is not towards you, but like I don't. We got podcast hosts who we know who are great dudes, and uh, I have at Grey Cops, I've allowed them to sort of have the Calgary vote. And when I say allowed, that is literally I have made the decision because um, that they get to sort of. MVP votes or, or what have you, but no, I, I, uh, we're in Calgary. We're the only three that yeah. should get a vote. Um, I know that ultimately nationally, uh, TSN does have a number of votes that they are obviously allowed to sort of dole out. Um, right. that's, that's inevitable. And they're the broadcast partner and they do, there are a lot of people at TSN who do do decent work. Um, yeah. But yeah, locally, and this is not a knock on, on on our local guy who has so much on his plate with the with the Flames as well. So I'm not in any way. But the reality is, in terms of people who really know the team and who would be able to evaluate, there's four of the three, and then the coaches will get their thing. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's that's the but sad I, state. I, I, think it, I don't think it's going to change in terms of the legitimacy of the award because I think it's still everyone I, who's everyone's there and i know you you were the same way as when i got a, when i voted for several years more than a decade um you took your vote very seriously uh, i would i would start like doing having conversations with assistant coaches midway through the year and then like hey who do you who are you watching out for like who's making an impact on such and such east division or other teams like what are you what are you seeing and then it was 
was like you pick things up along the way. You just have casual conversations with, you know, with a defensive backs coach. I'm like, who's the receiver that's really like, and this is when we got more access. So it was a lot easier to do. And they're very, damps are very accommodating with that stuff. They understand because they want the right guys to get rewarded. And I mean, like I, I strongly believe, um, there's a couple like surefire all-stars for me for the St. Peter's. Renee Paradise is obviously one. I think Brandon Dozier at the Sam is one. Uh, I believe Jameer Thurman. Uh, I would love to vote for Darnell Sankey, but I think Adam Begg Hill's probably a bit of a lock at middle linebacker there. Um, I think Mike Rose. Uh, like So those would be my defensive guys. I think those are guys are kind of locks. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, I think Kadeem Carey is undeniably the best running back in the, in the West division right now. So he'll be certainly the West division all-star. Um, and then other than that, I think you're probably looking at, um, at a, maybe a McEwen um, and potentially, and the question is where he ends up. Uh, yeah. I think Kamar Jordan, despite missing those games, I think he's, he's in the conversation. Um, yeah. without question. And that's, that's probably, that's probably what we're looking at in terms of all-stars. Yeah, that's and, that's and, a probably a pretty good, if they all get, the all-star nominations, it's probably a good contingent. Considering and they're not all going to the all-star nominations. I think, no. I mean, let's be perfectly honest with you. I have a, like, I will champion the guys who I genuinely believe. And there'll be a few who I, who I do talk about. Uh, I think the stats matter, unfortunately, because out of town voters also going to say, and like, I don't know enough about the riders defensive tackles, right? Like, yeah. um, so Mike Rose will probably be get in. I will champion Brandon Dozier. Cause I think he's been great. Renee is a is a lock. That's happening. Kadeem Carey is a lock. Everyone else, Kamar is a big enough name that he might get in. Just out of, but like everyone else is going to be a fight, and we do what we can to prop them up, and then we leave it at that. Yeah, exactly. Winnipeg's going to have a lot of all stars this year, and Saskatchewan being Saskatchewan, so are they. Yeah, there's not many from Edmonton or even BC. So um, anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's always a good uh, thing to at the end of the year you you go into it and you're like okay i'm struggle and sweat over it and then you send your ballot in and you're like oh you never know you never feel 100 percent good about it because you're leaving good players off no matter what you do so exactly and it's why like we media should rely on coaches a little bit um while also like they don't get the final word because they have their own biases and, and things like that um but yeah i it's it's a big responsibility and the fact is like it can be tied whether it's tied directly to what a player makes this year right. it can be tied to the contract they get next year so you don't want to be screwing a player over like that's not that's not right we got an obligation there and uh yeah so i don't know but it's it's a fun time of the year and it's fun to have those discussions and i will say um mop i strongly believe zach caleros will win uh i am more inclined towards like i wouldn't be mad if some combination of Big Hell, Jeff Coat, and Willie Jefferson won both MOP and most outstanding defensive. Right. The one gets MOP, one gets most. I think that, like, that Winnipeg defense is, I have no problem with Zach winning, but it, it the Winnipeg defense is so dominant and so good that part of me is like, well, two and- of cards. Right. And that's the thing. It's it's like they're all canceling each other out because there's three guys on that team that are absolutely dominant. So and yeah. what what can you do? You can't say one guy was the most outstanding player when they take they kind of take turns as having a most outstanding game between the three of them. Yeah, that uh, it's a it's a tough situation. And the thing is, 
the most outstanding player has kind of always been designated the most outstanding offensive player award, which they could change that, but they they leave it out as most outstanding player, which was the argument several years ago when Cam Wake was absolutely dominant and they, they were there was a big argument and that that was when there was offensive seasons that were worthy. You know, Henry Burris and Anthony Calvillo were duking it out for most outstanding player and Cam Wake was the best player in the league. He just was. And the argument was he's the most outstanding player. Yeah. But what do you do? And then he went to the NFL and had a great career. So it's uh it's a it's weird good. thing where you understand why the league can't because you market around your stars, but it it really should be most outstanding offensive and most outstanding defensive. Like we should just make that differentiation. Um because right. and then you could have an, an MVP. So because yeah. that's what uh, like there's, yeah, that's actually not – that's a good point. Um, but there's a there's a pressure and, like, you know what? Zach Larris' story is so amazing. Who's going to be mad about it? Not me. But no. um, but the reality is, like, I, I think that the most outstanding player on that Bombers team has been one of those three defensive guys. Um, yeah. And I, 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 that would be cool to see it happen, but it won't, and there's no problem with it happening. Good on, good on Zach. What a story. Like, the guys the, – the way he's rejuvenated his career is incredible. I'm so happy that he's managed to keep that head healthy throughout the year. It's, it's, it's awesome for the league and it's, it's great for the Winnipeg and it's good for the West division that we currently have another team that everyone's trying to hunt down. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens come playoff time. Yeah. We're looking forward to it. All right. I'm going to let you go because it's a busy Tuesday. Uh, so yes, congrats again to Bob Irving on an amazing career and uh, we'll anxiously wait what the uh, great cab halftime show is going to be. Uh, and then we probably won't, I won't even probably watch it because I'll be getting collecting beer at the time. So <laughs> that's usually what happens. <laughs> I will don't know what I'll be doing. And I, I'm sure that next week you'll be like, Danny, what's your great cup plan? And I'll be like, I still don't know, Ian. <laughs> Still don't know. <laughs> I know. I'll be asking you up until the West semifinal. And if the Stamps lose, well, then. No. Okay. Why, though? Because if I'm not going, I need to book my flight home for Christmas now. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to book that flight home until I know that I'm not going. So right. it's all, this is, this is, you're just asking me to like. Answer questions that you don't have answers to. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But, I discuss the stresses in my life. Um, <laughs> I mean, like. You should see this plant that I got. I yeah, it's uh, you. You've overgrown it. What the hey? You know, you're living. Welcome to the jungle, baby. I know. You've got plants all over your kitchen table too, so I can see that. I got got to buy some some plant stands. Yeah. Okay. Well, and also, this isn't a video podcast, so nobody else saw the plant other than me. It's all right. Sorry. Okay. You can check your Twitter feed. It's on there. So let's uh, (laughs) let's get out of here. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Next week. Peace.